when you get to be my age, we end up with like the patience of Job. We've probably been through so many things in our life that our patience is probably our virtue. And we can listen and listen and listen, and it doesn't go anywhere. That was Sherilyn McCoy. Hi, I'm Nancy Scanlon Coppler, and welcome to Woman Overboard. Have you ever been told that you go overboard? Or maybe you have a friend, a partner, or a crazy aunt who overdoes it at the holidays. Someone who is overly ambitious, overly excited, and gets overwhelmed because she tends to overdo everything. Well, welcome to my world. I'm Nancy Scanlon Coppler, and this is Woman Overboard, a show about women, leaders, mothers, and entrepreneurs who are dedicated to making a difference. My guests would not be where they are today without being the overachievers that they are. Women who I believe put a positive spin on the words, woman overboard. My guest today is an author, publisher, wife, mother, grandmother, genealogist, and technological guru. An accomplished writer, she was the grand prize winner in 2005 of Tulsa, Oklahoma's Genealogical Society New Writers Contest for her book, Elkhorn Tavern, 1860, the Pea Ridge Community. She's the owner of a publishing company which does genealogical research for hundreds of families. But perhaps the most intriguing thing about Sherilyn is that she is a college co-ed and somewhat of an icon on the campus of Maryville University in St. Louis. Sherilyn, welcome to Woman Overboard. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. I want to first of all talk about your publishing company, but before that, since I mentioned Maryville University... You came in with a great story. What's happening on the campus today? Uh, Goat Day. This is Goat Week. Once a year, we bring goats in to eat the pesky honeysuckle that is hurting our native plants. And from 8 to 12 this morning, we were all on campus loving and hugging and holding the goats, and they were eating honeysuckle. (laughs) It was a great fun. I saw the picture of you with the baby. It's just a wonderful event. Families come, children. We have prizes, and it's just a great day. So what are the prizes for? Whatever goat uh, eats the most honeysuckle? Oh, it'll say things like the thing I have on here about your. it's a goat day. Or You've today our theme was shenanigans. <laughs> we made up a new term. Well, can we rent the goats for our property because we have so much honeysuckle to get I rid of? I don't know. I'll have to ask the owner. <laughs> Okay, back to your publishing company, Three Sons Publishing. When and how did you start it? Because we, my husband and I, gathered so much information on families around the uh, Pea Ridge Battlefield in Bentonville, Arkansas. We looked at what we had one day looking for one woman. We didn't find her. However, we had so much information, we just said, why don't we just write a book? And we just did. We had never written one, but we just did it. And we published 100 copies, signed and numbered, and they sold out the minute that we put them on the internet. Oh, my gosh. And was that the Elkhorn Tavern book? Yes. And did you, it's called Three Sons Publishing, and I know you have three sons. I have three sons. I call it, it's an Oklahoma corporation. And did they work with you? Yes. 
they did some, yes. They, they've done some of it, yeah. And I have a question because I know family businesses, I've heard this, can be fraught with problems due to family dynamics. Did you ever encounter any trying times in working with your sons or your husband? Never. My husband and I have worked together in two different businesses for over 25 years. Never had a crossword. Oh my gosh! Well, you are an anomaly. I don't think I've ever, <laughs> I've ever heard of that. That's that's he amazing. Did, we had a, a computer consulting consulting business, and um, he did the talking on the phone and recruited the uh, programmers, and I did all the rest of the work in the background. Well, w- when we had lunch the other day, you had me fascinated with the research that you've done. What? How did you get involved in that? You said you followed the line of one family. Was there a specific reason that you wanted to do this research because of where you lived? In 1989, my mother thought that there was some Native American in her background, like everybody does. So I agreed with her because we lived in Indian Territory to help her look. We looked and there wasn't, but I developed such an interest in it that I decided to start doing for other people. Then Ancestry ask if I would like to do it through them for fa- for pay. I said, of course. So I did it through Ancestry about six years and earned money doing it while I was doing another job. And uh, I love it. I, I love the search. I love the hunt. And uh, I have put people together that didn't even know they were even related. Wow. They have met each other from one end of this country to the other hugged and loved and become friends and their cousins and first cousins. Oh, the stories uh, from doing this. It's so just wonderful. Did you start this before the Internet was even in existence? Yes, I did. So how did you do the research without the Internet? We had to drive. Phone calls. <laughs> actually driving. And, phone and actually write letters. You've researched hundreds of families. Um, and how did people get back to you? We drove to courthouses. We drove to libraries. I wrote letters, lots of letters, telephone calls, way before the Internet. And I would even get paid sometimes to make an overnight trip to research a family. How long would it take to research one family? Like like the number of years must have been? Um, It would depend. Some of them took quite a while. When we first moved here and I was working for Ancestry, I drove to Cairo, Illinois overnight, was paid to research in their library. And I did that a lot. I drove and made overnight trips to research. So how could our listeners hire you, or can they? Do you still do that as a business? Can people hire you to research Yes, they can, and they can go right to the web page. And what is that? Three Sons Publishing Incorporated. And they can just contact me there. The phone number's there, and so is the email. Great. Yeah, and I'm still doing it, so I'd love to have new project. Great, and I'm sure you'll hear from lots of people. We're going to take a little break right now, and when we come back, we're going to hear about the physical time bomb that nearly went off in your body and how you miraculously survived it. Sounds great. My name is Kathy Ferrara, and I'm the founder of K. Ferrara Color Nail Polish. At K. Ferrara Color, we offer a curated line of 16 perfect colors for your nails. They're sophisticated and elegant. What's different about our polish is that it's formulated to protect your health. We're proud to offer vegan-friendly and cruelty-free polish with a safer, non-toxic, nine-free formula that steers clear of the harmful chemicals that are found in most other polish lines. Also, check out our new children's line of polish. Choose healthy polish for you and your children at kferraracolor.com. 
Welcome back. I'm Nancy Scanlon-Coppler. This is Woman Overboard, and we're talking with Sherilyn McCoy today. Sherilyn, we all have physical issues that we deal with. I know I do as a grandmother, whether it's arthritis or joint replacements or cataract surgery. But you had a serious condition that normally you would not even have lived through to talk about. When did you first realize something was wrong? About two and a half years ago, my blood pressure kept spiking, like 209, 219, over 119. did that about five times. And uh, the fifth time, my husband said, we're not going home. Let's find out what's going so on. So when it first spiked, excuse me, did, did you catch it at home? Do you normally take at your home. blood pressure or... You just happened to didn't take it. Know, didn't necessarily take my blood pressure. It just started spiking. And you could sense it in your body? or Yeah, I didn't have any headache. I just felt a little bit hot, a little bit pressure. Mm-hmm. And then I had a cuff because we have a cuff at home. And I took it, and it was way over 200. So we just went straight to the emergency room. And they would give me medicine and send me home. And then on time number five, they kept me overnight, and they checked the carotid on my right, mm-hmm. and it was blocked. But they did a, oh, it was just a routine scan of my head, and there was a pretty good size aneurysm in my brain that had not yet erupted. Wow. That must have been a shock to find that. And then did they tell you right away they could do something, or what The doctor happened? came in and said, uh, we really need to do something about this. We're going to put you on blood thinner for three days, and then we're going to fill it with coils using angioplasty. So when you say they filled it with coils, was it something done like as cutting open your your skull, or how was that done? It was going through the groin in your in your Boy, thigh. That's miraculous. And it's all, I'm a lot, I mean, I was awake. I watched them on television. They Amazing. filled it with coils. They put a stent in front of the vessel in front of the the aneurysm, and um, I, rec- I recovered fine. Obviously. <laughs> I was fine, and I watched the whole thing. Amazing. But it had to be done. I mean, I'd have had no symptoms. It could have erupted at any time in a very terrible stroke. I didn't know it. So what today would you caution people, since something like this happens without warning, what would you tell someone to look for that might not even realize they have high blood pressure? I had no symptoms, but if you have high blood pressure, take care of it. Keep it in check. It's a warning of some kind. It absolutely is. That was my warning, and I didn't know it. So this second chance at life that you got gave you a great desire, and that desire was what? To go back and finish college. I was, I'd always wanted to do it, and when I recovered... I sat down with my laptop not too long after recovery and just filled out an application to Maryville University. I was accepted, and I started a school in August of 2017. I really didn't even give it any thought. I just wanted to do it. Well, the amazing thing is some people would think, oh, I've got this second chance at life. I'm going to travel all over the world. But for you, you chose education at your tender age of, if you don't mind my saying. 75. 75. A lot of people say, well, why would you go back to school at 75? You're already a very wise woman. Well. What was it about going to school? Was there something? my children, my husband, my grandchildren, everyone in my family has a degree. And I don't. I didn't get to finish. I did other things. And I want one, too. That's fabulous. So that's why I'm doing it. 
And how wonderful for you to look for something like that, something that you can't necessarily put your hands on or that you can't take pictures of. Or, you know, and education is something so intrinsically important. I know, and I think there are a lot of women like me. I've talked to people at school that say I've got an aunt. She has wanted to go back to school for so long, and I have encouraged them to bring them to school. I will sit and have lunch with these ladies and I will encourage them. They can do it. I'm doing it. I'm on the honor roll. I make straight A's. That's amazing. I love it. The, you can do amazing. anything. You can do anything you want to do. And it's such an inspiration to your children and grandchildren. And speaking of grandchildren, I know that you, how many grandchildren do you have? Six. And you have some that you? I have six, and then I have four more, so I really have ten. And my youngest ones are twins, and they are on campus with me. And all three of us will graduate in May of 20. Oh, I think that's pretty cool. That's fabulous. That'll be a great news story pretty cool. in itself. Yes. We hope to hear more about that. And you've mentioned also that you've embraced Maryville's culture, not just from an educational standpoint or a scholastic standpoint, but that you're very involved in the Student Work Study Center on campus. I am. And um, where I do my work study is in the Office of Service and Spiritual uh, needs and I meet a lot of different students from different backgrounds, different religions, and we have all become friends. And it's it's been a very wonderful experience for me. So it sounds like you're somewhat of the with your wisdom and experience, and you also have patience and the calm that you exhibit. You're sort of the Zen master of Maryville's campus, in in, in my <laughs> estimation. You remind me of Eckhart Tolle with all your wisdom. And do you feel that people do come to you for advice? I do. Yeah. I do. And I'm sure they feel that everything you have to tell them is something they wouldn't otherwise hear from a teacher. No, and I, I think when you get to be my age, we end up with like the patience of Job. We've probably been through so many things in our life that... Our patience is probably our virtue, and we can listen and listen and listen, and it doesn't go anywhere. They know that they can trust me with anything they ask me or tell me, and I like that. I, I, I feel very privileged for them to come mm -hmm. to me and talk to me about anything they feel like they want mm -hmm. to. So have they given you your own little office where you're... I have I'm my own office, my own desk, and everyone parades in and out, going to the prayer room and... Uh, it's open, and they come and they study, kind of a lounge. Mm -hmm. We all greet each other every day and just have a really good time. Oh, that's lovely. Well, don't be surprised if you don't see me in there one day. Come Please in. come. We'd <laughs> love to have you. Always nice to have a, an ear to, to talk to, right? Sure. Well, I, I have a question for you because I went back to graduate school, and it was only maybe 15 years after I graduated, and I felt like I was walking around campus with the Tyrannosaurus Rex costume. I felt so out of place. Do you ever feel like you're a stegosaurus? Absolutely not. One That's of the students in my class this morning said, Sherilyn, I just love you. You're just always in style. Look at those boots. <laughs> and you got that bandana on it. It's goat day. No, I never. I feel fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, dress, I dress basically like they do I without must, being gaudy. And um, I don't have any problems like that. No. I must say your beautiful Oklahoma boots are <laughs> unbelievable. I'm Thank sure you all very the kids are, are lusting after those. <laughs> So paint us a picture of your first day of school. Did you get the jitters? Did you carry a backpack pack or a oh, sack Oh, I have a beautiful lunch? backpack. It's Maryville Red. Uh, went into class. I was so thankful to be there that if there was a problem, I don't remember it. 
I just wanted to learn. Well, I can re- I can relate to that. I just want to share when I went back to graduate school. Everybody else was coming from work, and they were exhausted and couldn't wait to get through the four hours. And I came in after having been with five kids all day, a baby and four preteens. I was so excited to learn, I couldn't stand it. And I think you hit on something that adults out there all need to know who might be afraid to go back to school. It is so exciting to be in that learning environment. But when you're a young person coming from high school and you've been through 12 years of education, starting college is kind of daunting. It's like, oh, not more education. And when we start, what do we do? Do we avoid speech? Everybody avoids speech in college. They don't want to take it. Right. Well, I took it. Good. And uh, I had the most fun I've had in a very long time. I loved every speech. And I didn't stand in the mirror and give them. I knew what I was going to say. I didn't even use cards. I just got up and gave a speech. Made a straight A in the class. I loved the class. And I thought I can remember wanting to avoid speech when I was in college before. I didn't this time. It was great. Well, they say that's everyone's greatest fear, right? Getting up in public and speaking. But not for you. I was surprised. No, it was fine. One of my sons, uh, who all my children are college graduates, said, Mom, you know what my... The, the class that was the most important to me, but I didn't realize it at the time, once he got into the business world, was the speech class that he took. And I don't think that is something that they do need, and they need more than just one class. Yes, and, it, and I tried to make the students in my class feel at ease uh, when they were up there, if I could. So why Maryville? I'd just love to know. We're on the beautiful campus of Webster University where I graduated. Honest to God. Was there a reason you chose Maryville? Uh, there is. I'm a Christian, and their mascot is a saint. Oh. But it's a St. Bernard dog. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought it was the saints. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you get involved in all the sports activities, and you said you just came from a concert, right? Uh, Yeah. Not at at the school, but one. Downtown, yeah. And I imagine the students keep you abreast of the latest songs and groups. Yeah, there's so many things going on that... You know, you can go to any organization, any anything, all day long. So what's your favorite extracurricular activity? Mm, I don't know. Um, honest to goodness, it's antiquing. Oh, we really? Like to, yeah, we antique, yeah. And Junking where, around. Where do you do your antiquing? Uh, South County. We drive down to St. Mary once in a while. They have a huge antique mall down in St. Mary. What Missouri. about St. Charles? They have a pretty well, good... Oh, yes, I love the one in St. Charles. Yes, uh-huh. And what do you love the most on campus about your professors and, well, I think you've said about your fellow students how much you love them. What about the professors? I love them. They're so kind. They're so respectful. They uh, just treat me like one of the students. Do they ever feel intimidated? Not that I know of. If they do, they've never said anything to me because I kind of am very careful about when I answer and what I answer. I have a very good feel for when I should just let someone mm-hmm. else answer or when I should. And do you take the regular load that everyone else takes, about 15? I'm carrying 18 hours. 18 hours. That's yes. a lot. What about the homework, uh, keeping up with the homework with your... Oh, it's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. I'm a sure. lot of reading, a lot of writing, because I major in English literature, and my minor is history. And you keep up with that along with the publishing company, correct? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. my goodness. I am just amazed at all that you do. Yes. And for someone who is... So accomplished as you are, you seem very confident about yourself. Is there anything I'd like to know that you don't like about yourself or something that you would like to change? I have to say no. Well, that's I'm pretty happy inside my skin. Well, that's fabulous, <laughs> and I'd love to know your secret. 
<laughs> and when you talked a few weeks ago, you indicated to me that you had a very exciting educational travel opportunity. Can you talk a little I'm about so that? I'm so excited. I'm going to Oxford University in the <gasps> summer on study abroad. Oh, everybody's dream. I'll be gone for uh, 24 days. I'm so excited. Oh I'm gosh. so looking forward to and it. And this is a student trip with other yes. students? There'll be probably 14 or 18 of us in our group. Uh, we'll be at Oxford. We live there uh-huh. for 24 days. And your husband will go with you? No. He's not going. <laughs> he's not allowed. <laughs> uh, he he would be allowed, but he's not going. Yeah. No. And what will you be studying? Do you know? Uh, I will be doing English history, and I will be doing some museum tours. And since my dad was in World War II, I'm trying to get a tour to one of the airfields where he trained before he jumped in Normandy. I'm working on that. That would be very exciting for me. Oh, wow. While yeah. you're over there. A trip to Normandy would be I, fabulous. I We've can't been there. do that, but he trained on the airfields outside of London mm. on just three different ones. So I'm trying to figure out which one it is and get a tour group or someone that can come and get me and take me at least to the airfield where he did train. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. I think I can get that done. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you've been to Europe before, no. So this, oh, this will be your first no. trip. How exciting! Right. I've only been to Canada and to Mexico, but not outside of that. No. So they're not expecting you to chaperone any of the students, right? No. You'll just have fun I'm with them. I'm a student, yeah, right? <laughs> They'll be chaperoning you, right? <laughs> <laughs> Keeping you in line. We talked about um, so many things, and one of the things that I have to mention, since this is called Woman Overboard. I always have things that drive me crazy. And I just have to ask you this question. What do you do that is either very difficult for you to handle? You feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm out of my realm. I'm going overboard. Do you ever have that feeling at all, or are you always so together? I, do, I don't ever have that feeling. I pray a lot. What about if you are going, what would you consider it if you're going overboard in the sense that you've done too much? I probably overachieve. Um I don't get really tired. I only sleep about four and a half, five hours a night. Uh, I can go on that. I'm fine. That's amazing. I, did, I eat. I don't eat a lot. It's more about quantity than quality with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm. I eat mostly vegetables and good healthy food, and cook that way too. So you've been pretty healthy all of your life. I have right? been, which is why the aneurysm must have been quite a shock it was to you. Quite a shock. Uh, I don't know if it was hereditary or there was some something there. I don't know. We never discussed that. Mm-hmm. It just showed up. And tell me about your children and grandchildren. Your sons live here, correct? Yes, I have uh, three grown sons. They are all, two of them are in this area. One is in northeast Oklahoma now. Uh, the oldest one is a city manager. The second one is a superintendent of schools. And the third one is a reading teacher, a reading specialist teacher. Here in the area. So everyone is involved in education. Absolutely. That's why I've got to finish. That's right. And your grandchildren that you're graduating with in 2020 are also in, what What are they following? Uh, Alex, the young lady, is going to be a doctor, and Nicholas is majoring in cybersecurity. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Wow. How did you get to be, I, I noticed when I got hold of you, somebody had to show me how to do Facebook messenger to get to fight to get hold of you and you got right back to me I thought boy this woman is techie how did you get to be so savvy with technology because I find social media so hard to navigate about 1982 I worked for some attorneys in Carthage Missouri and I had what was called a leading edge computer 
And then not too long after that, IBM came out with the personal PC, and I worked for um, Leggett & Platt, and I had them bring in uh, brand-new PCs, and we were hooked up to the Internet at that time, mm, mid-'90s. And I just have always been computer literate and Internet literate. Just I don't know. I've just been where it's going on, and I've just been with it. I'm amazed. Do you give lessons? <laughs> I did give my father-in-law lessons, and he did really well. <laughs> if you could see me when I get frustrated with technology, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I've just always been around it, and it does intimidate me. You are such a calming presence and such a spiritual person. You just emanate this wonderful, warm glow. I have to ask you, with all the problems going on in the world, what do you see for our future, for our young people what would you, what do you want to see for your grandchildren, and how do you see us all pulling together in a better way? That's kind of a big question, but it's okay. Uh, I think the world right now is probably the oddest time for me that I can think of. We have we are so divided, especially in our own country, and uh, I think at all of our dinner tables we don't talk about things that we might have. 25 years ago, we stay off of different Because we're politically subjects. correct. We're afraid of everything, right? Because uh, politics has just completely divided our families, and I think it's very, very sad. And I don't know the answer to how to fix it. But I see it in the young people I'm around every day, uh, and I see it in my own family. And I really don't know how to handle it, except we kind of avoid it, I think. Everybody does anymore. You just love your family, you love your friends, and there are just certain topics that you just stay off of. And do you think that's right? Do you think it's better that no. we dive into the topics? It, it probably is better, but it's getting pretty bad, and, and I really hate to see all the division in the families and the friends, but I don't know the answer. Are there any classes that you're taking at Maryville or any classes they offer on subjects like this, how to make peace in between warring factions. You know, we try to offer classes like that at Maryville all the time. They're just there if you need to come, you want to come, they will work with you. Uh, they're available. Anything you can think of that maybe you need we have a class for it. We have a get together. We have somebody that will get a group together or you can put your own group together mm -hmm. if that's what you think you need to do to work it out. We want, we want people to get along, to be uh, respected for who they are, what they are, what they believe. We're multicultural at Maryville, and we love everybody. Everybody's welcome. That's, that's wonderful. That's a, it sounds like a fabulous environment that it you're is. in. It's a, it is a wonderful environment. And I'm sure that you have a lot to do with making that environment <laughs> as lovely and pleasant. No, I, I, I can see know. that. Since you are majoring in literature, is there a favorite book that you are reading now or, or like a favorite book that you keep by your bedside or that you would recommend? I have a favorite epic. Or a couple of I favorites. love Beowulf. Wow. And I love and that's, the... Uh, that's like a foreign War language. <laughs> I love the World War I poets. I have a book of the World War I poets that I, I look at a lot. I think that's a war that... We haven't talked about enough, and uh, supposedly a lot of good the bloodiest literature. war, right? 
And a lot of good literature came out of that war. It's sad literature, but it's really good literature. What is some of the literature that maybe you could uh, share with other people? That People might... like C.S. Lewis and the man that wrote uh, Winnie the Pooh. Mm-hmm. Those are the writers from Mel, World War uh, I in uh, Lord of the Rings type background. Uh, Those are the people that I like that era of writing, um, I think because of the war. Such a horrible war. Speaking of Lord of the Rings, do you? The Game of Thrones is the hot. Do thing you know now. I've do never you, seen Lord of the Rings, and I've never watched Game of Thrones. I I don't know how a lot of people would tie them together, but I would say today is sort of the. But we talk about the it a lot at school in, in a couple of my classes. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, but I've never read them or watched them. Well, Sherilyn, any final words? You've got so many words of wisdom, but any final. Final words of wisdom for our listeners, be they 9 to 99, what would you tell them? If you've ever wanted to finish college, do it. And give me a call or send me an email, and I'll sit down and talk to you about it because you can do it. I'm doing it. I love every minute of it. And I don't know what I'm going to do when I graduate. I will miss it. Well, you can go to graduate school, right? You know, somebody asked me the other day, are you going to graduate school and I hadn't really thought about it, but I didn't answer. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Or you might be recruited by several schools as a professor. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't know. But right now I'm just having a wonderful time, and I'm just thankful that I'm where I'm at. And I thank you for talking with me. Well, Sherilyn, you you are amazing. Lifelong learner, writer, mother, grandmother, motivator, and brain aneurysm survivor. And you inspire me so much. I'm just so thankful that we got a chance to meet And I want to thank you for sharing your wonderful story with us. I'm grateful you've been a guest on our show. And how can listeners reach you again? Uh, By my webpage. Uh, It'll be probably somewhere in the podcast there. Yes, I'll link it it to our podcast. uh, I'd love to hear from anybody who would like to talk with me. Great. Well, if you or anyone else you know would like to be a guest or learn more about Sherilyn McCoy, please contact me at nancy at womanoverboard.com or visit our website, womanoverboard.com, for additional information. Until next time, I'm Nancy Scanlon-Coppler, and thank you for listening to Woman Overboard.